and welcome to 17 Minutes of Science. This is our 10th show, and I want to thank everyone for tuning in and inspiring us to continue these conversations with interesting people doing important research and service, which must continue during this time. My name is Sarah Cheeseman. I am a technical solutions scientist at InVivo Biosystems, and today we have a very special show about clinical testing for the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus entitled Stepping Up, How Kashi Labs Has Responded to COVID-19. My guest is Dr. Zara Kashi, the founder and CEO of Kashi Labs, which is headquartered in Portland, Oregon. Dr. Kashi is a board-certified molecular immunohematologist with many years of experience in clinical labs, biologics, pharmaceuticals. Kashi Labs is a CLIA-accredited laboratory, which stands for Clinical Laboratory Improvement Amendments, an acronym you may have heard more than once lately because of all the intense focus on the need for CLIA labs to increase human uh, sample testing to detect the presence of this virus. So Kashi Labs has stepped up to help meet this need in order to increase testing capacity in Oregon and beyond. So Zara, thank you so much for taking 17 minutes out of what we know is a very busy time for you to, to check in and talk to us. And so can you go ahead and give a quick 30 second snapshot about you? Certainly, thank you very much. And um, well, I am Zara Kashi. I, I was really, um, I went to school here in uh, Oregon Health Sciences University for, to become a laboratorian back in 1988, 89. Um, then I continued my education into um, uh, clinical laboratory science in particular with focus in immunohematology and uh, was a laboratory technician for a long time. Uh, I worked and I went to grad school. Uh, I taught, I directed laboratories, and I finally founded the Kashi Labs in 2006. And that, in a, in a nutshell, that I mean, laboratory has been my life. So. <laughs> well, thank goodness for that, because we need you now. <laughs> so what was the focus of Kashi Labs prior to the COVID-19 pandemic? We have been, so our laboratory um, has been mainly uh, focused on uh, transplantation immunology. We are a genomic lab that performs um, human sequencing of the genome and comparing that between donors and recipients for bone marrow transplantation. Uh, that has been a main focus of the lab. We also do pre-transplant and post-transplant monitoring to ensure a successful graft uh, that is being transplanted be in kidney, uh, heart, uh, or bone marrow, um, as well as medication monitoring. Um, Listed and illicit drug um, uh, monitoring, uh, as well as genotyping for the well, for the health and, and well-being of humans. So that has been prior to COVID. Uh, it was a uh, that was the focus of the laboratory predominantly. Wow! And so now, how have things changed for you in the lab? Well, you know, like like everybody else, uh, Sarah, significant change. You know, we. Uh, we were called into action both ethically and, of course, uh, by colleagues and by the government. And, you know, it's uh, one of those things. You just, uh, you know, step in and you do what humanly you can do. So within a short period of time, um, we went live with COVID-19 testing. Um, we had all the equipment, uh, the expertise, the knowledge, 
Um, and so, you know, what was there not to do, if you will? And since then, it has become a, a, a significant priority because of the nature of, of this and the pandemic. So um, we have we are prioritizing every patient's safety and work based on we have been doing all along prior to COVID testing and strategically moved things around uh, and added uh, automation and, and specified um, uh, staff members assigned to certain tasks in order to handle what uh, we have been doing and also to offer testing so there would not be a hiatus, if you will, of what the role we want to play uh, and for the patient safety of all, so not just COVID patients, but, but everybody. And how quickly were you able to stand up that function? I mean, you mentioned you had the talent, you have the instrumentation and, and, and all of those competencies, but there's no doubt some things you needed to change. How quickly could you do that? We were very, um, thank you for asking, Sarah. Um, and there's a group of, of, of technicians and technologists here who literally uh, rolled up their sleeves by uh, we converted our, uh, we wanted a BSL lab, BSL2 lab to be separate for safety purposes as well as, again, uh, for the fact that we didn't want to interfere with our routine work and uh, allowing the space not to be crowded by additional work. So we converted our conference room on a separate level of our building and our storage area. So believe it or not, my gratitude goes to the group here, uh, we were shoulder by shoulder, side by side, rolled, everybody rolled up their sleeves into the night, weekends, and uh, we just from removing the carpet on the floor to redoing, because we couldn't get anybody to do the work for us, there was no contractor available. So we actually became a jack of all trade overnight, if you will, to, um, you know, getting the hood moved all the way to, um, reflooring all the way to just establishing a lab, this whole thing, you know, if you're a laboratorian, certainly you can appreciate how much work you went into it, but needless to say, we were up and, and around within two weeks, um, about 10 days actually, at least under two weeks, but this was constant 10 solid days in a row. So this is an opportunity to thank my uh, my very dedicated group of people here who work at the letter, not only laboratory, and now we know they can do everything beyond and above when, when the duty calls. That is pretty inspiring to think that you did that in such short order. And not only did you roll up your sleeves, but you rolled up your carpet. I like that part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a sense when this pandemic it became evident what this was going to be uh, and how the world would be affected. Did you feel early on that, that Kashi Labs was going to get involved with this or how did that come and come to be? You know, quite frankly, no, because, uh, you know, I mean, much like the, the earlier stars, like MERS, like uh, some of the, you know, like Zika virus. I mean, there are so many things that during the course of my profession, at least I have seen they come and go um, so initially, like the rest of the world, this was, you know, my, my, my thought were, oh, well, this would be also, you know, just coming and going and, and there will be laboratories and the state health labs and, and you know, will, will be sufficient for the purpose until, um, you know, luckily early on, uh, 
uh, you know, we, we were, when I was approached by uh, the colleague, in fact, um, uh, in, in, in vivo biosystem and in viral tech were the ones who really just uh, uh, shared the alarming nature of what's going on and asked if we would just step forward and, and together we'll, we'll make something happen. And so, no, I didn't really envision that. I thought, like, everything else was going to just be transient and not clinging on as long as it has. I'm glad that's interesting. Well, uh, we're all the better for it that you have acted so quickly. And we keep hearing that um, testing isn't as widely available as it should or needs to be. I know that keeps changing week by week, especially as we move toward these phased reopenings. But in your view, what is the main bottleneck there? Is it availability of the tests or places to go get a test or reagents or all of the above? <laughs> Yeah, for the most part, for the most part, uh, there, it's a multifaceted, Sarah. In, at least this is in my last 10, 10 11 weeks of, of literally being immersed in this. And then I will tell you that on the average, um, at least 12, 13 hours of my day, every day has been focused on, on this, not only the testing uh, and ensuring that, you know, the availability of the testing, but also, you know, studying it, staring at it, and learning about it more and more, and, uh, and also being challenged by it. I've learned more and more that this is, you know, yet there is no question that without laboratory tests, it's just a, it's a guessing game. There is no way. And it's almost like you want to win a lottery ticket, but, I mean, you got to buy it in order to win it. So... There is no question that the laboratory is the foundation of everything, but the challenges, indeed, there are some that are from safety zone and uh, who are not are not willing to bring this to their to their laboratory. There are some whose expertise isn't there, and it's a very, you know, it it doesn't it it does take some time to ramp up. There are some so, but then there are many laboratories who have done. Uh, wonderfully to come on board, and some of them, to my knowledge, have more capacity than work. But what is the added uh, problem here is the the the, uh, the lack of reagent, the lack of of collection devices, uh, being a nasal nasopharyngeal swab or being a you know saliva collection device, or you name it. The laboratory reagents, um, you know, is, is another thing. It's just that the, the, the chain of the supply chain uh, has been uh, amazing, you know, that, that every step of the way something is, is back-ordered, it, it becomes a domino effect. Uh, and so, so it just is a, is a culmination of it's a perfect storm situation. Uh, the laboratories and laboratorians, uh, I know that we are on, on the spot and, and everybody is in the universe is, is watching and looking, but frankly, uh, more power to all of my colleagues. Uh, the labs are doing what they can to the best of their abilities, but it is a, it's a combination of many things, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, many back- And of course, um, to top it off, if a laboratory gets inundated by uh, a lot of samples, then the problem becomes um, the, the throughput. So unless if you have, you know, all the systematic automation in place, you know, handling thousands of samples a day is, is really not an easy thing to do. As we have, you know, we hear 
as the public hears, oh, it's just a five-minute test. This is, this is not correct at all. This is not a five-minute test. Uh, if it is, then you're looking at a 48% false positive, as we all have heard lately in the news. So Sure, the trade-off between speed versus accuracy. In fact, we had a question come in on the chat uh, about what is the turnaround time for the test that you're offering, and also as uh, something that popped up when I saw that and you mentioned it, are you processing both saliva samples as well as the nasopharyngeal? Yes, yes, we are. We started off, and I'll answer both of your questions. We started off with uh, nasal pharyngeal swab as well as nasal pharyngeal lavage and saline. Uh, both of them were CDC approved matrices. We validated them, significant validation, initial work by a significant amount of contriving the, the virus and whatnot. Uh, submitted our uh, emergency authorization use to FDA, followed everything basically by the rules of FDA. Um, and then, of course, we begin seeing the shortages of swab, the nasopharyngeal lavage. There is no shortage of that, but it's uh, for some of our elderly population, it's a more difficult matrix uh, to, especially if they're bedridden, uh, to, to collect. So we, uh, when saliva became an option, um, uh, we were very, very quick to proceed with, um, with, valid, uh, with proper validation of, of saliva and, and pair sample analysis and running, uh, and we are offering both. Our turnaround time at this time is 24 hours from the time that we receive the specimen uh, to the time that the results become available to uh, the practitioner or whoever is, is um, the, the patient population is, is the, uh, no later than uh, the, next, the next business day. Wow, and that must be so critical as we move toward opening our state and needing to have increased testing and the contact tracing piece of this, that you have the information quick enough if that need, if action needs to be taken. Yes, absolutely, yes. Uh, otherwise, you know, if, if the laboratory test is not available within a, an extremely quick time, uh, you know, within a day, or, it, it, to me, it, it defeats the objective of, of test, being tested, you know. But if you're going to take four days, five days, the patient, you know, either recovers or, you know, something awful happens. So, yeah, time is of essence. Mm, yeah, we've seen that all over the country, no doubt. Do you feel that um, that we in Oregon are, are ready to ramp up testing now that people are beginning to move? And we don't quite know what's coming, but we need to be prepared. Uh, to my knowledge, there have been a number of you know a number of, of laboratories within Oregon who have gone live. A lot of them are hospital based. I get that. I, uh, our laboratory here in Portland, Oregon, we are certainly certainly available, and uh, we, have, we have implemented a significant amount of, of validation, validation uh, of, of automated systems uh, that would enable us to, to, you know, to respond. So I, I think we are. I believe we are ready. Uh, there is no question that depending on where this takes us, um, the state can be, or each state, uh, in, in the United States can be even more ready and, and ramp up even more solidly until, if God willing, the vaccine becomes an available, you know, available item for everybody. Right. We need, we need all of it. We want it all. Which leads me in our last minute, I wanted to ask you just kind of a fun thought experiment that if you had a magic wand and you could wave your magic wand 
and, and make a test in any capacity, what that might look like. I know we had a fun thinking about this when we met last week. <laughs> I'd love you to just share your thoughts on that in our last minute. Yes, certainly. I, uh, you know, I mean, I shared with you uh, jokingly that I would pick up my, you know, my phone is my first uh, encounter when I when I open my eyes in the morning, and and call uh, Siri or Alexa or whoever and say, hey, check me, check me out. <laughs> but, but um, you know, I mean, I think that uh, something of the nature of, um, you know, a a a, a, a breath take, a, you know, kind of breathing into something that very quickly uh, determines, you know, by a change of color, something that everybody can do in, in their own, the privacy of their own home is, would be my magic wand. If somebody could just blow in some, I don't know, a tube or something and it changes color and tells you, you know, green is this, okay, you can go and red is stop. And, you know, you, you get it. Obviously, obviously have to be repeated, but that would be a screen. If that ever comes up with the ideal. That would be, there goes our timer. That was minute on the dot. That would be ideal. Maybe even if you could blow onto your phone. Exactly. <laughs> oh, to riff on your first idea. <laughs> well, Zara, I really want to thank you so much for talking today. And I wanted to share with our listeners that Zara mentioned to me that 17 is a favorite and lucky number of hers. So hopefully we delivered for you today on our 17 minutes. Uh, and appreciate you taking the time to talk with That's us about what you're doing and wishing you all the best and, and to be well continuing in the work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise.